Welcome to the Terrible Outdoors and Podcast. Ryan Cowan, your host. Bob Collin, yo, 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 what up for show? Man, he didn't even hesitate this. No, no he it's because I'm here. It's back. He's back. It's back. You got uh, Dan Williams back in the studio. Thanks for having me again, as always, guys. Yeah. Dan the man. Checking in from Midland, Michigan, like always, yeah. Captain JG. And we have a very special guest. This episode is pretty much dedicated to him. Who else we got? Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn, Garrett. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <clears throat> yeah, Garrett Pawcat, uh, professional bass tournament angler out of Canton, Michigan. Thanks Very for having nice. me, guys. Very nice. Yes, thanks, sir. For, thanks for being on. Thanks, Dan, too, for putting this together. No problem. Um, Dan reached out to me shit, it was a couple months ago we putting this together, but he's like, hey, I got this guy. I want to see if he can get on the podcast. And I'm like, hell yeah. Fishing all of our passion here. So, you know, if we can get a professional fisherman and – you know, kind of tell us what the hell we're doing wrong. That'd be great. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks again for being on, man. Um, so, I guess we'll start with, um, you know, before we get into too many questions, um, Dan, you got any comments for Jimmy? You Maybe know, rebuttal to his last, you know, last I'm comment. Gonna, I'm going to take uh, take the high road on that. Oh, man, and, I thought for sure you, know, you were going to do something. No, I'm I'm good. I'm just going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to come in when he's least expecting it. Okay. So. You know, blindside him? Yep, blindside him again. So Dan and Jimmy have a little rift, a, f- a friendly rift. Yeah. They keep giving each, each other shit, so. Very friendly. Yeah, that's funny. That last episode was good. So. It was. Yeah, we've had a, already, I posted it last night, we've already had a really, really good uh, feedback from it, so. Um, Bob, anything? Mm. No, no. Okay, <laughs> Jason. Here. Color commentary here. Jason, um, I have to give for... my. Uh, I always like to give my daily deer harvest report total. Oh, so you were here last weekend when we did our, our deer harvest total. Bob was almost right on the money. Really? He, he, he guessed twenty seven thousand, and it was like twenty seven thousand thirty. It was. I won. <laughs> oh, nice! He won the big prize of nothing. W- winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, yeah. So, um, any so, any uh, fishing update from the west side? You, um, you didn't fish see. last weekend because you had that wedding, but no, I, I had the wedding. I actually did. I can't just escape from fishing, right? I went down to Ohio, and where we were at, there's one of the rivers that falls within. There's a section from Ohio to PA in New York called Steelhead Alley. Just a bunch of rivers that get steelhead runs. Um, and one of them is the Grand River. And our hotel was like five minutes from a few of the access sites. If I had known that going down there, I probably would have taken a fishing rod and gotten reprimanded. So it's probably a good thing that I didn't know that it was right there. But I just checked a few spots out because my fiance is from the east side of Ohio and is within like an hour of a couple of those rivers in Steelhead Alley. And I'd like to do some fishing down there this winter when we go and visit so of, um of all people i know i would fully expect you to have one of those like compact or, or collapsible fishing rods in your underneath the back seat of your truck co- collapsible fishing rod it's got like four eyelets on it yep. it's about as limp it's about as limp as your car <laughs> antenna <laughs> yep i fully expect you to have that 
Is that like one of those yeah. telescoping Some, rods? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I used to have one and yeah, great action on those things. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so update deer harvest report summary. 33,590. So we're ticking along. There's a couple of counties, Lapeer and Mont or no, Lapeer and St. Clair that have had a thousand deer registered this year so wow. far. So nice. um not really, you know, I don't really know much about what to expect in terms of numbers. So it's been really cool to watch this climb along. Well, we've um, we've I never do, had numbers like this because it wasn't mandatory reporting. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. One of the things that I've uh, stayed tuned into is Keweenaw County has only had two deer checked, uh, one buck, one doe. And <laughs> I believe it was during the youth season. <laughs> so they killed both deer in the county the yeah. first weekend. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that, how the whole herd is done yeah. now. I they told can't you. reproduce. I told it's you. It's over for The whole Keweenaw. herd's done because they shot them all. <laughs> yes. Wrap it up, Keweenaw hunters. Head south or something um, because, uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're done. Yeah, so we I was thinking about it, and we, I think we talked about it last episode. I don't think we're going to do, like, like guessing it every single episode. I think we'll do, like, maybe – Next episode, we'll do do our guess right before deer or gun season, and then maybe like after post gun season numbers. Sure, because um, we have no idea what these numbers are going to be like because we haven't had the mandatory reporting. So, like, who knows? It could be a freaking million after gun season. So, I don't even know where to even come up with a number. Seven million. Seven million. The whole deer herd. <laughs> all of it's Michigan's deer and Ohio's deer. They're wouldn't all. That, wouldn't die. that be Wouldn't that be jacked up? Because they've been reporting for years that the deer herd is two million, and then by the end of the season, it's like the deer harvest itself is like three million, and there's still deer out there. You're like, whoa, you motherfuckers were way off. <laughs> you were way off. That would be something. All right. So, cool. Anything else, Jason? No, um, looking forward to, and we'll maybe touch pay, touch base on it when we sign off, but the yeah. potential to try and get together this weekend and musky fish. I'm, I've been watching the weather, I'm, eagle eye watching the weather. I will be musky fishing this weekend with or without you. How's that? Hey, that's fair. I may be on St. Clair. I don't know what the wind's going to do. Maybe Garrett can give me some pointers on St. Clair, but <laughs> go down the river. I might go to the river, just get out of the wind if I have to, but I will be on St. Clair, this river, chasing musky. So, all right. So we've been pretty heavy with the, the hunting topics the last few weeks and fishing is, I think all of our biggest passions. So we're going back to fishing. So, especially since we got Garrett on. So, so Garrett, uh, let's roll right into you. So, um, this is your time. Kind of tell us a little bit about you, um, how you got started, whatever you want our listeners to know about you. Yeah. Who is Garrett? Yeah, um, you know, kind of got started like most youth, I guess. Um, my dad introduced me into fishing. Um, I was, you know, I already said I, I, I pretty much strictly fished for bass. But at the time, it was just we'd go fishing. He was really big into salmon and lake trout fishing on uh, Lake Huron, trolling, stuff like that. So as a kid, I was just exposed to it, grew up around it, um, and kind of got annoyed with trolling, to be honest. It, it bored me as a young kid that wanted to get out there and run around like crazy. So it got to the point when I was like eight or nine years old where you go out on the boat. He's like, you want to come? And I'm like, nope, I'm going to sit here at the boat harbor with my grandma. And I'm going to fish for bluegill, rock bass, or whatever else fit. And um, so I would do that. We'd go down there with a bucket of minnows and, you know, fish until they were gone. And once I caught my first, what I would consider big bass, or, you know, at that time, maybe 15 inches, two pounds, something like that. Um, once I caught my first one of those, it was like something went off in my mind where it was like, I don't know what just happened, but I need no. to recreate that as many times as I can. So once that, once that happened, um, 
I got really into it. Um, you know, saved my money, bought books, rods, tackle, anything I could to try to catch bass. And, uh, you know, just tried to learn as much about them as I could. And um, at the, at that time, we had just got into the recession of like 2008. So my dad actually sold his salmon boat um, just to keep, you know, cost down the financial burden of running that big boat and all that. And he actually bought a little bass boat. So he actually switched gears to kind of support me with bass fishing. We would go out there and he, we didn't really know much about it. Like we didn't even know how to operate a bass boat or anything like that. But we went out there on a, some of our little lakes in Wayne County and Oakland County by the house um, and just learned about bass fishing. When I turned 16, I took that boat, hooked it up and I went fish as much as I could. I fished as many tournaments as I could and just kind of worked my way up when I turned 20 ish. Yeah. When I was about 20, I, uh, Started traveling around the country, fishing in bigger tournaments to try to qualify for the top levels of bass fishing. And when I turned 23, I made what they call the Bassmaster Elite Series, which is, you know, would be equivalent to the NFL of uh, pro fishing. And fished here for three years and actually got knocked back down this year to the level below it. And that's where I'm currently at. So right now I'm in like the AAA baseball level of bass fishing, uh, trying to make it back. How long were you in the Elite Series? For three years. Three years? Yeah. Okay. So when did you get into, like, when did you start your competitive fishing? So, like I said, when I was 16, I uh, I started fishing tournaments, which there's, like, you know, you can fish. In bass fishing, you could fish tournaments for a $20 entry, a little three-hour tournament at night. Uh, the big ones are, you know, multiple day events, $5,000 tournaments, um, you know, you're fishing for a hundred grand, 300 grand, stuff like that. So, but once I turned 16, I started fishing tournaments. Um, I played hockey growing up. I always wanted to compete in that kind of, at that time in my life, I was starting to transition out of hockey and it just kind of like filled a hole in my life of, of compete, of competition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I was 16, I kind of treated it like a, uh, like a video game. Like my first couple years when I was 16, 17 ish, I fished around the house, fished some of the, I don't want to say lower level stuff, but maybe lower stakes tournaments. Um, and just try to learn around there. And then once I started having consistent success, cause it wasn't easy at first. I mean, I didn't know the legs. I didn't even really know like how to target bigger fish or anything right. like that. I just kind of jumped in there and did what I could. Um, but once I started having good success, I branched out, fished around the state. Um, and once I started feeling comfortable around the state, I, you know, I went to Ohio, Indiana, things like that. And then, um, then once I was 20, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm going to get in these bigger tournaments that qualify you for the top level and, and see what happens. And I fished those for three years and, and made it through. So when you were 16, were you like on a high school team or just doing like recreational? No, so actually, um, yeah, when I was in, when I was in high school, it was just starting in Michigan, the, the, like down South, they had high school teams, but I, I want to say there was only one or two teams in Michigan that had a high school team, um, for bass fishing. And, uh, and to be honest, at that age, I was kind of embarrassed about it. So I didn't even want people to know that I was fishing. I didn't think it was cool. Now, <laughs> now I'm not, but at the time I was like, you know, I just wanted people to know that I played hockey i don't want to let i fish so, uh i probably wouldn't even have joined it anyways but yeah no it was all it was kind of funny it was always me like now fishing is really popular uh with the younger kids but when back then it was me and the next youngest person in the tournament might have been like 35 40 years old so mm-hmm. i was always like half the age of the guys i was competing against so it was, it was different yeah so from back then how how much has it grown now compared to like what it, what it was back then like how many high school teams are there in the state now I don't, I don't have the numbers on that, um, but I say it seems like every – and maybe in Michigan is, it's still kind of catching up compared to the southern – like down south where I'm at. I'm in Texas right now. I'm on the road for a tournament. 
I can guarantee every high school here has teams. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I know, like I know I've seen a lot more in Michigan <laughs> and then there's college teams too. Jason, yeah. isn't there one in Lake Superior state? Don't they have a college team? Oh yeah. All the major yeah. colleges have. Them. Yeah. Col- I think, I think, uh, where was the show back when I was going to college? Yeah. We get a major in bass fishing. They have one here. The, the high school my kids go to, they have a bass Why is your daughter team. golfing then? She's she can fish a, a hell of a lot better. She can I, I, yeah, Isabel, I can see her on the team, but not Gabby. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, she's Gabby's. a better golfer than all of us here. So <laughs> that, that is, that's, that's that is true, true. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, that's I always thought about it when I was a kid, but there was never anything going on. Like that wasn't a thing. Right. There was never the avenue to make it. There wasn't. No. And then it was. I mean, you could find like local tournaments on some of our lakes around here, but you know, it was just it's a big investment. You know, like when, when, at what point did you like make it your career though? Like, cause obviously you couldn't support yourself probably, or did you like, what did you do? Like straight out of high school? Did you just do this as a career? Oh, right. Um, so yeah, I, I want to say I supported myself, but I did, uh, I, so I did guiding on the side and that was, that would kind of fund the tournaments. So once I, uh, you know, like once I was about 18, 19, I got decently established. I ran a lot of charter trips out on Lake St. Clair. And, uh, so that kind of just got me through the, and, and, you know, at that point in my life or still, you know, I didn't have you know, kids and, you know, I wasn't, yeah. I was still living at home, stuff like that. So I was a little, it wasn't like I was supporting yeah. a family, doing, but it was enough for me to fish the tournaments. Right. Um, and then luckily the year before I, before I jumped up and, uh, fished the elite series, I won like $80,000 fishing the level below it. So that I could pretty much just put that into that season and go for it. Oh man, that's so cool, man. That's, that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Like, yeah, I just want a cool eighty grand, no big deal. Pay yeah. for my fishing for next year. <laughs> but man. see, so on the elite series, it costs forty five grand just to fish it, and that's wow. with no travel. So eighty grand is honestly, you yeah, know, nothing. if I didn't cash a check, that's breaking even. So that's like so your it, entry to get into the elite series. Yeah, it's forty five thousand to fish, and then by the time you add hotels, food, oh yeah, gas. Yeah. You're eighty thousand in, so it's wow. it's a it's a big investment. Yeah, eighty thousand doesn't get very far. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty cool, though. Nonetheless, yeah, yeah it still I mean, let me it still yeah. let me fish my first year. Most guys, their first year are maxing out credit cards. It let me fish with no work. It's just like, hey, if I bomb, I'm not putting myself in a financial hole for the rest of my life. So right. it, that was nice about it. Right. So on your first elite series tournament, how did you do on your first elite series tournament? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, so. I went out and practiced. My, the first fish I ever hooked in the practice was nine pounds. My <laughs> biggest, bass, my biggest bass to date. And I was like, "This is a good way to start." And I actually had, a, I probably had the best practice. Like we got to practice for two and a half days, scout the lake, look for spots stuff like that. So in those two and a half days, it was probably the best practice period I've ever had in my life. I was like, "I don't know if I'm going to win this thing, but I, it's, I'm going to have a top five, top ten finish. It's going to be the greatest way to start off my career." And went out there and finished second to last. Oh, okay. it got super warm down there we were down there in florida on the st john's river it got really warm and i kind of found the fish that were a little bit deeper offshore and when it got warm they flooded the bank and they started to spawn and i was out there by myself trying to fish for fish that had left and everyone that was on the bank was crushing giant bass it was it's probably one of the most 
uh, epic tournaments to date as far as like big fish that got caught. Like guys were catching seven, eight, ten pounders all around me, and I'm out there in deep water like this, not catching a thing. So that's how my career started. <laughs> that so, that sounds exactly how we are fishing. Yeah. Sounds I'm like me on an average day. <laughs> I'm watching all the boats around. That's like me on the Detroit River. I'm watching every boat around me just jigging, just bringing up walleye, and I'm not catching anything. Nice. Um, so are you still guiding? Do you still have that, that business? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I don't um, I don't necessarily – I don't have, like, a website up. I actually just do a lot through my Instagram. So okay. I post and I say uh, – and I'm still traveling. You know, I'm still fishing nine national tournaments a year now. So I'm not guiding every day, but I'm staying as busy as – necessary yeah so you're so right now you're in texas in uh and yep. you're in a tournament now or are you doing like practice now or yeah i'm about to start practicing now okay we have a ter- the tournament next thursday starting what, next thursday what lake are you on uh lake sam rayburn okay which is probably one of the one of the most historically known bass yeah. fisheries yeah. no no big deal no just deal. Sam Rayburn. Yeah, Sam <laughs> no Rayburn. big deal. I know as a kid, like you always watch like the Bill Dance shows, and they're always fishing Lake Fork down there in Texas. And I've always yeah. it's been like a dream of mine, just go fish Lake Fork once Lake Fork in my life. <laughs> yeah, have you ever fished it? Yeah. So actually, in that in that same season on the elites, my rookie year, I fished. We had a tournament at Lake Fork, and uh, like I guess that would be the highlight. You, you go from going second to last place, the first one, um, and I actually finished second place in that tournament. Oh, you and, finished uh, second on Lake Fork? I finished second. And then uh-huh. I had something that they call uh, making the Century Club in bass fishing. So the tournaments are four days. And in four days, my total weight was over 100 pounds. So I got like a big uh, – it looks like a big UFC belt or WWE belt. <laughs> That's Century, awesome. Uh, Century belt. So I did I did do that there. So, yeah, Lake Fork's been good to us. Nice. Have you ever – It's loaded with big fish. It's like every other fish is four to six pounds. It's, it's unbelievable. Oh, my God. Garrett, and your – Garrett, in your recreational time, have you ever fished El Salto? No, I haven't. I'd love okay. to, though. Yeah. I'm kind of scared of Mexico, though. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's cool. The other one was uh, Lake Fork, and what's the one in uh, Florida? Okeechobee. Okeechobee, yeah. Yeah. Man, like those are the two. Like every time you watch like Roland Martin or Bill Dance, it's like, oh my god, they're just catching like six pounders, and it's like, I want to go there. And even though, well, Bill Dance halftime, it looks like he's in like a pond, yeah, a stock fall- pond, yeah, he is. and he's falling off the boat, <laughs> and he's falling off the boat. That's the most gimmicky show ever. But it's still, I, I still watch it this day when it's on. But. You know, I was in North Carolina. I think it was earlier this summer, and uh, we had a chance to rent a boat. Where we rented a pontoon boat on Lake Norman. And it was the first time I've ever been on a lake of that caliber. I mean, I've been on St. Clair before, but, I mean, Lake Norman, I mean, doesn't do any justice to, you know, what Lake St. Clair is. And uh, it was just amazing the sheer volume of water in every, like, everywhere you look, there's just water. Like, you go up uh, you go up into one of the forks and stuff, and it just goes for however many miles or whatever. And we were out there on the boat for, like, eight hours, and I think we just covered maybe like two arms of that entire lake i mean it was it was crazy so i can only imagine like how like you know so garrett do you feel like when you go to these like bigger fisheries and stuff is there like a intimidation factor at all for you when it comes to this is what i want to target and i mean how do you find yourself like you know real confident with like your game plan or like how, how often does that change for you being that you know fishing is such a you know unique unique sport Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the hardest part, right? Especially 
like what we were doing. We had two and a half days of practice. I mean, we'll have that. You'll go to Lake St. Clair and have two and a half days of practice. So you're talking a lake that's 30 miles by 28 miles, and you get 30 hours to, f- to find them. And it is, uh, that's, you know, the guys that can do that the fastest are the best guys in the world. And it's, it's um, you know, the biggest thing that I've noticed is I think everybody kind of has some techniques or some patterns that they are confident in and they feel good when they're fishing them. You know what it is. Like for me, I like to power fish, which is I like to fish really fast. I can throw crankbaits, um, chatterbaits, you know, something that I can wind around and, and cover a lot of water. So typically, um, and I think most of our guys share the same ideas of this is like when you get to a new place like you've never been to or like you haven't been to in a while or you don't know what's going on you want to start by doing what you feel comfortable with you know you're not going to show up these lakes and and throw a bait that you don't even know how to fish or even caught many fish on it and break it down it's just not going to happen there's just so much water that you need to do things that that you feel comfortable with you feel good within your hand and then and then go from there. And then you know if it's not happening, then maybe you got to make your adjustments. But I always start, and I'm adamant about that. You need to fish the lake how you want to fish it. And that's not saying that you only need to be good at one bait or or anything like that. But generally, you get a feel when you go to a place. Like I might go out on Sam Raven tomorrow and see a bunch of grass, a bunch of topped out weeds or something, and say, "Hey, I want to I want to flip this. I want to find them flipping." And you and you just gotta kind of have those gut feelings and stick with it and make it work until it's not working. And then you go from there. But I always try to, you know, I, I call it attacking the lake where I, I really try to force what I want to do on that place. And I'll run around and I'll cover a lot of water and, and try to make it work. Like generally with fishing, um, when you're on the right deal or you're, or you're doing the right things, it's, it's pretty easy. Like you guys have seen it. You pull into a right spot and you throw the right bait. It's not like you're catching one fish every six hours. Usually it's, it's bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. Yeah. You, you want to keep running and keep changing until you find that. Not that you're going to find it every time. That's impossible. Yeah. But right. it, 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 when you find it or when you do, when you find the right thing, that's how it's going to be. So Yeah. So do you have, a I guess, a technique or a, a, I don't want to say a favorite lure, but like do you have a lure or a technique that you would prefer? You mentioned like, you know, the power fishing. But I guess the, the pre-fishing and the tournament fishing, probably a little bit different, right? Because pre-fishing, you're probably going to be – more power fishing but do you have a particular technique that you you prefer correct yeah um that's a that's actually a really good point yeah so i like to like if i had to say a favorite bait or technique it's, it's a crankbait i like throwing a crankbait and that and that's from the shallow ones that dive down two feet uh the big ones that dive down 20 foot plus so that's how i that's how i got stuck on lake four but that's probably if i were to go through my the money i've made in fishing it's the majority of it's probably on a crankbait it's just yeah you know, just, it's just what I feel comfortable with. So I'll, uh, and that's a good bait for me too when I come to one of these lakes because I can cover a lot of water with it. You know, I don't have to sit there and drag something around real slow and kind of rock and I can throw it out there, burn it in, and keep moving and keep moving until I find them. So, but like you said, um, I'll use that to find fish. Like maybe, like I, we're going to lakes that are so big and we have such little time that you don't have the chance to sit there and dial in like, Oh, I need to make this cast pointing towards this house. Like yeah. you almost just have to find areas with fish and then come back in the tournament and, and dial it in. So I'll use something like a crankbait or a swim bait. And a lot of times it might just be like, Hey, this three mile zone of this Creek has good fish in it. I think I can catch four to six pound fish in it or, or whatever it is. Or, Hey, this, yeah. the South end of the lake has more fish than North end. And then I might go back through, you know, I might start like, I might probably start with it again in the tournament, um, but then you might transition to something like a drop shot or a Ned rig or, 
a wacky worm, something yep. to get finished that aren't going to chase baits to bite. Because, you, you know, the name of the game is just kind of catch as many as you can, and um, your bigger fish are going to probably come along the way. Right, yeah. I know, I mean, that's my style of fishing is that power fishing. I, I mean, I've recently gotten into like plastics and Senkos and Texas rigs. And I just, I don't know if it's just like ADD or something or I just don't have the patience for it. I just don't like, it's just so slow. And I know there's, you know, there's certain times that like the heat of the summer, like you can do really well on it. It's just me. It's like either spinner bait, a crankbait, lipless crankbait, like, I know probably everybody in this room says the same damn thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. just fishing hard. Maybe that's like the musky fisherman in us coming out. Like, yeah, I think it's know. natural. I think I think it's it's more fun to get out there and, and reel something around and feel that right. fish smash the lure or yeah. see a fish blow on a top water than it is oh, to yeah. sit there with the down line and feel a little tick and you're wondering if it's a bite. But the reality the reality of it is, um, I'd say post COVID we had a huge influx of new anglers into fishing and a lot of people had time to get out there and fish and, and they've kind of stuck with it. Um, the reality of it is these fisheries are getting tough. Yeah. It's getting harder and harder to get bites in my opinion. And, and it's, if you want to be a consistent angler, you're going to have to start downsizing your lures and using some of these finesse techniques. Cause the days of where you could just go out there and throw a spinner bait and catch them all day long. Um, are unfortunately coming to an end. So yeah. that's kind of like the trend. It's funny how you see these trends progress through fishing, and that's the one right now. There's a huge push towards the finesse style baits to catch fish. Yeah, boring. It is, man. I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Now, but, there, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like it's 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 pretty sweet. Like when you get a bite on plastic, like you feel that line go slack. And like, I mean, that's great. But to me, there's nothing better. And Jason and I, we talk about this all the time. The frog bite. When you get the mm-hmm. heat of the summer and the lily pads and you get that explosion on the top water, it's not the most productive way. I've, that's certainly not the, the way I've caught the most of my fish, but that's my favorite for sure. When it's top water bite, oh, man. I know everybody would agree here, right? Yeah, I mean, I was right here at Portage last year, and I was fishing inside just outside one of the little canals. And, I mean, yeah. frogs all night long were just hammering the fish and then you know a couple hours later it was nothing you know so it's crazy yep so give us uh so speaking of hard fisheries garrett i have a question for you um (laughs) kent lake what's the secret of kent lake why is the bass fishery at kent so tough why tough well one one uh a lot of people fish there but um the real reason is in my opinion, there's not a lot of good weeds in there. They, they have a lot of invasive grass. I think it's called like starry stonewort. It, it, um, it just essentially a blanket that covers the whole bottom. And the bass just don't want to live in there. So the, I feel like there's just not a lot of good habitat. Um, but if you do find the right habitat or you find some of that no foil or maybe you find some stumps or something, they are in there and they're really, they're really grouped tight. But I, I think the lake has just changed in the fact that like maybe before you could go out there and 70% of the water was productive, so you could kind of go around and get bites throughout, and it was a pretty good day, or you could have pretty good days each time. Um, and now it seems like the fish might have got pushed in like 10 to 15% of the water, so <laughs> it's just a lot of dead water, a lot of time not catching fish, looking for them, stuff like yeah. that. That's yeah. my opinion. I know. And then, uh, but I will say, <laughs> and with, the less, with the less habitat, um, you, you have less of a population, I think. Um, it's funny you say that because, like, you look at that lake and, like, it's weeds everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, like you said, it's, it's, not, it's not the right weeds. 
You right. know, it's not the weeds that bass like, and that's like the science to it. The yeah, they know. don't like it's not weeds that can like hold hold bait fish or that the fish can live in an ambush. It's just a big, big nasty carpet for the most part. Yeah. So, and I haven't been around a long, or I haven't been around long enough to you know say like, hey, it was better twenty years ago. Um, but I felt like when I was fishing that place, I guess it was ten years ago now. I felt like the weights were better. I felt like the fish were bigger, um, and now it's it's kind of on the decline. Actually, I'll say it's kind of on the upswing a little bit more now, but it's, it's not, it's not what it was 10 years ago, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I know Dan and I went out last year. <laughs> Whatever, man. I didn't know you were going to That's the that. best day I've, we know I got to bring <laughs> that know, shit up. I know. So Dan and I went out on his pontoon last year and probably the best night of fishing I've ever had on that lake. And I think I caught like 12 and he caught one. Yeah. Right at yeah. the very end. I couldn't even see it, but it was just one of those perfect. I mean, they hit, it didn't matter what I threw. I threw, I caught mm-hmm. one spinner bait, crank bait, Senko top water. Like I, it, it didn't matter. Yeah. Well, the Senko story, I think we told on a couple episodes ago that I was, that I was a part of, and it was, you, you put on a different Senko every time. And then, like, that first cast, you would catch one. Yeah. And then a few minutes would go by, you would change color, change yeah. different Cinco, and then you'd cast it out again, you'd catch one. And then I gave you one, and you caught And then one. I caught the one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well. Yeah. yeah. I've I fished that lake a lot, and that's definitely the best day I've ever had on that lake. And I've had a lot of days where I don't even see a fish. Yeah, I mean, we were catching pike yeah. and bass, and you yeah. were. I mean, I've always heard that it's it's a good pike fishery. We're, we're, we're big pike fishermen, too. I mean, I, I'll fish for whatever, but I guess I, we target a lot mm-hmm. of like spring, spring pike fishing and then musky fishing. But I mean, I catch a lot of bass too. So, but, um, I've always read that St. or Kent is like the most pressured lake in Michigan. I think, were you telling me that? Yeah. Maybe we've read it yeah. somewhere, but it's like the most pressured lake. Maybe it's like by acre, but it's the most pressured. Yeah, lake. I, I mean, you go out there in the summertime and yeah, good luck. I mean, is between, it because right. of all the sailboats between out there? sailboats, <laughs> yeah. kayaks, and sailboats. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, what, what is it? The swan? Uh, oh yeah, the paddle swans. It's the paddle <laughs> swans. <laughs> yeah, the paddle yeah. swans. The real swans. I mean, <laughs> there's so much traffic out there. Like, yeah. yeah. So it gets super choked out too, like early. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that lake that winds up becoming like unfishable. Yeah. Like you really I took can't get up in some of this. Stuff. I took my wife and my son and my wife's friend out like just for the day. It was like the hottest day of the summer. It was like 95 degrees. Thank God I had a bimini on my boat because I was dying. And like we fished for like six hours, didn't even see a fish, and they wanted to keep fishing for like four more hours. And I'm like, you guys have fun. Yeah. I, I popped the bimini up. I sat underneath with my trolling motor controller, and I'm like. Gassed away, like I turned the music up, cracked a beer. So, Garrett, it. Garrett, not to not to like like for you to divulge any of your secrets. I guess I guess this would be uh, you divulging your secrets. But like, what's your go to? What's your go to lake in South in, in, in Michigan? Go to lake. Um, so my go to lake, honestly, is Belleville Lake. And really, Damn, wanna, we have been I talking about this lake. No, I want to start off by saying it is probably down uh, near the bottom of the list on good lakes in Michigan. But for me, it allows me, it fishes a lot like the Southern Reservoir. So it allows me to go out there and work on techniques. Like, so, so a lot of our lakes in Michigan are in the lakes are just full of weeds. Right. And like in our bass fishing tournaments, usually they're one either skipping under the boat docks or they're on a deeper weeds with like a jig or a drop shot or wacky worms something like that but it's usually under the docks or off the off the weed edge um which for me doesn't really i don't want to say it doesn't work but when i go down south i don't fish a lot of stuff like that like recording in progress 
No, so why we don't do lives. <laughs> Belleville Lake to me, I, I feel like I can go out there and catch them on 20 different baits. So it's a really good kind of like little proving ground for me where I can go play with new techniques, play with new baits, things that I can put into my arsenal and get confidence in and then go down south. But the average fish on Belleville is probably like 12 inches to 14 inches. It's just, just a ton of little small fish, but it's more so that I can go out there and get positive feedback on what I'm doing and then, you know, kind of fine tune my game before I go. But See, that's I'll what say, makes, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, if I want to turn it around and flip it to the, to like, if I wanted to go in Michigan and fish, um, like a, what I would consider one of the better lakes. Um, I'm looking at like a Pontiac Lake. I love, um, I throw Kent Lake in there in the spring and fall, at least the summer, like you guys have said, it gets pretty tough. Uh, Lake Orion, as far as like for big bass, that that place for five fish tournaments, it takes near twenty pounds every tournament, which in Michigan is about wow. as good as you're going to get in large amounts. Yeah, so seriously, those three are pretty uh, pretty solid. I'm surprised you don't put St. Clair on there. Well, yeah, I mean St. Clair is the best <laughs> lake in the country. But I just thought we were yeah. that. <laughs> you said best lake in the country. That's lake in the country. No shit, yeah. those wow. are bold I've words. There, I've heard really? that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There might be a St. Lawrence River in New York is. Right now, it might be a little better, but if you look at it year in and year out, I mean, St. Clair is just, it's just perfect. There's, it's just endless grass flats. Uh, the fish can get away from the anglers. They can, there's just endless bait fish. It's just a perfect habit or just a perfect environment to just create mass amounts of fish. I mean, yeah. walleye, I think it's, you guys can probably, it's the best musky lake in the world, probably. Maybe not for size, but for numbers. Yeah. Um, it's just the ultimate. Hmm. you know, biomass, essentially. Wow. Ryan and I will go out there this week and improve that round. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we will. We will. That gear is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at uh, your past tournaments, Garrett, and you have fished Saint, um, the St. Lawrence River a lot. Yep. A lot. Um, yeah, I like is, that place. What's that? I like that place. Yeah. yeah it's probably my favorite. Is that? Um, so that's connected to, like, uh, Thousand Islands, right? Yeah, York. so that so that is where Lake Ontario dumps into the St. Lawrence River. There's a 90 mile stretch of river, and then you know maybe 30 ish or so miles into the lake. That's kind of the region that we fish on. Yes, I know. Um, I know a few people that have fished uh, that Thousand Islands, and they just kill the smallmouth out there. Yeah, and I've always wanted to do like a trip up there for it, but I, I thought about that when I was looking at your tournament. So that's cool. It is. A, it's a it's a cool place. It's in the summer. Where the weather's good, like it is up in Michigan, but you know, kind of a cool place. It has some old like castles and really cool yeah. scenery. It, if you can go, I'd go. It's it's a nice neat place. I heard they got some boulders that are like the size of a house in the oh, yeah. lake. Yeah, like, yeah, you got to be careful there. You can yeah get in trouble quick. But. <laughs> Speaking of that, Garrett, what kind of rig are you running? What's your boat? Yeah, so I have a Bass Cat Cougar. Um, with all men go to hummingbird stuff on there. And then I run a 250 Mercury Pro XS in the bag. Nice. All right, all right. Shits and gets. Yeah, it does. Got to get on the fish quick. <laughs> get <laughs> well, on the fish quick. Yeah. That's a in thing. Our, in our tournament, 250 is the max. So everybody, for the most part, everyone has a 250 horsepower engine. No big deal. Did, did you see that new one that Mercury came out with? The 600? 
I didn't see that. Yeah. It, it just keeps growing it's every re- year. Like, it was what 300 bo- for the longest it's, it's time. It's gigantic. What, and, what bow can hold the damn thing? Like, I don't think a bass bow can hold it. Like, no, a little fiberglass bow, it would, it would take, literally, it would take it off. It would, like, shoot off like a plane. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> That's crazy. So man. what's the uh, what's the top speed? I'm doing, with all my stuff in there for the tournament, I'm probably doing close to 75 mile an hour. Gosh, damn. Shit in my pants. Burning. <laughs> man. Bob used to have a 150 horse uh, gambler, old school bass bow. Yeah. And I remember That's one time, rough. one time he had that up to like fifty-five or sixty, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and there's no like nothing to hold on to. There's no oh shit handle, and and we're not even wearing vests. I'm like, yeah. I think he had just taken this boat out, and I'm like, I'm gonna die. Yeah, this is it. It had a hot foot in it. It was two stroke. It was like it was just shit and getting yeah, man. Look, man, like you step on it, and you're fast. just like. Yeah, it was like yeah. an indie car. It sounded like an indie car yeah. too. Like when you got it up, boat. the RPMs up pretty high until it took a shit, and we started. Yeah, telling, I burned, telling I burned, terrible stories about it. I burned a cylinder out of it. <laughs> Can't imagine why it happened. Rolling fifty five, yeah, across yeah. Whitmore Lake, and you hey, literally you, you get up on plane, you got to turn the fuck. Yeah, around. your mixture wasn't right or whatever. You know, yeah, it's a thing. That's funny. I went, to, right, the, I so, went to the more modest four stroke. You know, so while more, while we're on that while we're on that topic, so. Um, one, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Jay, or, uh, Garrett was like your, your biggest accomplishment. And I would assume it'd be that second place at Lake Fork. Yeah, I'd say so. So what would be, so the theme of this show is the terrible outdoorsman, right? So what's like, we, we always talk about the shit that goes wrong in our, in our outings and our, you know, whether it be a trailer going wrong or whatever. So can you, do you have like a funny, a terrible moment or like maybe the worst moment uh, yeah, in the tournament? Have- I think I got a good one for you. Okay. Um, yeah, I've had flat tires, blown up engines, broken this, broken that. We know about all those, yep. There's, yeah, there's <laughs> one, uh, and it wasn't necessarily me, but so in in the Bass Opens or the Toyota Series, I got to say this without getting too much into detail because yeah, don't find don't, out, don't rat out any sponsors. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah, there's going to be no names or lakes or anything like that. But anyway, so these tournaments, a lot of these tournaments are, are essentially like a pro-am. Um, or, or they're called boater and co-angler. So like in my, in my position, I'm the boater, it's my boat. I'm, you know, driving the boat. Um, I'm fishing off the front of the boat, determining where we go. It's all in my control. But there's a guy that fishes off the back of the boat called a co-angler who's on like a less, they pay less of an entry fee. Um, and they're kind of there and we're each fishing our own tournament. So I'm fishing against all the boaters or all the pros for a prize and then the co-anglers are catching their own fish and their fishing gets all the co-anglers. It's like two different tournaments going on. Okay. Um, you guys are on the same boat. It's like a cool, it's a cool experience. You meet guys. Um, the, you know, co-anglers learn a lot. Well, really both guys learn a lot anyways. So, um, that's the format of the tournament. So I draw this guy. Um, we're on the lake. We fish for like seven hours and it was kind of a weird day. Like there was a lot of stuff that happened and I was just like, this, this is kind of different, but whatever. And I had a really good day. Um, he hasn't had any, he, he hadn't had a bite yet. So I was like, oh, that's kind of sucks. But I told him, I was like, hey, we, we made like a 35-mile run to get to my spot. I was like, hey, we made a long run. I got like an hour left. I'm going to run back. I'm going to stop like 10 miles short of the weigh-in site. We're going to fish for 10, 15 minutes, whatever we got. And then we're going to run the rest of the way in. He's like, all right, good. So we run there, and it's like rougher than I thought it was going to be. So I'm kind of pushing in. We're hitting waves hard, whatever. And we get to the spot. I throw the tromor down. I fire out my crankbait as far as I can. He jumps out on the back deck real quick. And uh, so I'm like, cool, this guy's excited. Like, he wants to catch when he's got 10 minutes. He's going to try to catch a fish. I take one cast, 
reel my bait in, I look back there and he's in his underwear, just his underwear. What? And I'm like, what? I'm like, and I'm, not, and I'm like, I'm in the zone, so I'm not really thinking. I'm looking at him, and he goes, "Dude, I had an accident." <laughs> and I look at the back deck of my boat. And he shit himself <laughs> on the whole back deck of the boat. And I'm like, and I got, I'm still kind of in deterrent mode. So it's like, I just have to say that up, so I'm not going to let it get to me. So I was like, all right. I, I didn't know what to say. I was just like, I was like, in my head, I'm like, I would have jumped in the lake before I did that on oh, someone's shit. boat, but whatever suits you. So I, I was like, dude, if you could clean it up or do what you can, then. That'll be great. He's like, oh, dude, don't even worry about it. Like, he's done it 15 times or something. He's like, I got it, I got it. I was like, all right, cool. So I, I go. It happens all the time. I, I was like, what? You know, I, I'm just like, do your thing. I go, I cast again, reel my bait in, oh, no. I hook a fish. Oh, no. And I'm fine. He's like, you want any help with the fish? You want me to end? I'm like, dude, no, please stay back there. <laughs> and then the fish comes up and jumps, and it's big, and it's going to help me. And I was like, you know what? Actually, if you could come up here with a net, this is probably going to help me. So I'm finding the fish. I'm finding the fish. I'm focused, watching it. The next thing I know, I kind of like feel him come up next to me, completely butt ass oh naked. Oh my gosh! With the net in his hand, <laughs> he nets my fish. Puts, brings in the boat. I got to bring the fish now to the back deck because that's where the libels are, where we keep the fish. And I got to open that up, put the bigger fish in there, call around, find the smaller fish, throw it. Back. And I'm, I'm like this back there. He's naked up here. Uh, you know, the back deck's destroyed of the boat. It's just destroyed. And uh, we, I, went up, I went up, I fished for 10 minutes like that. He sat there completely naked, dipping his boxes in the water, clean out the back deck, dipping it in, clean out the back deck. And we were, like I said, we were right kind of near the boat ramp. So every single person in the tournament ran right by us. And we're every, I just watched everyone. Hey, was that your boat with the naked dude on there? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily at that time, I didn't have like any sponsors or anything in my boat. So no one knew that it was me. Uh, After that, your sponsor was Charmin. Yeah. <laughs> that is my, uh, and that's a really condensed version, but that is Dude my, uh, when it's gone wrong story for you guys. So, oh Bob, um, that's perfect. Bob, I think we, Bob, I think we found a new phrase to yell. We got poop in pants. <laughs> <laughs> we got poop in pants. Oh my God. I just couldn't imagine like what processing in your head. You look back and this dude's at, or in his underwear and there's shit all over your boat. And I'll say like a lot of things happened throughout the day to where when that had happened, like it wasn't a shock. It was just like, okay, this is the natural progression of what's going to happen today. It was just kind of one of those days. So I was like, oh, the guy shit himself, whatever. So this like, guy, was, so this guy didn't get, didn't catch anything. Didn't get a bite. And he shit him, no. shit himself. Just, Sounds yeah. like the worst day ever. Seriously, yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't catch a fish, and I shit all over myself. <laughs> uh, hey, honey, how'd the tournament go? But how do you? <laughs> I've done, I've done each of those, but not on the same day. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you get to that point though, and not like, hey, man, uh, I, I got like take me to shore, or I got to hang my ass yeah. on the side of the boat. Yeah, or um, it, it was a rough ride, so like I don't know if someone got jarred loose, but like I said, I would, <laughs> like if it wasn't on my boat, I'm jumping in the lake. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. someone else's boat, like, I'll jump in before that. Dude yeah, might have had some issues, but like, well, I'm pretty laid back, so it, it was funny oh, to me. I mean, it, it won't, right? It wasn't a big deal, but it was I, when it was happening. I, the only thing I can think of is, like, dude, I wish I had a GoPro. Like this, people aren't even oh, yeah, believing yeah. it with it. I can't even make this story up. Like that is a hundred percent. You can't. You can't make that no. up. That's so. Did anybody say issue. anything when you went in the way in? No, that's what I mean. Like I was at this point. Like I'm not. You know, I'm. I was 
still kind of coming up. So no one really knew me. Um, and yeah, no one, no one ever, no one ever said something to me in person. I mean, now guys know the story and mm-hmm. they always say it, but at that tournament, no one ever said anything, which surprised me. I thought someone would be like, Hey, did I see that? Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that happened. <laughs> what kind of lure was that guy using? <laughs> <laughs> he threw a top water all day. It doesn't go well. I mean, that's what I mean. Like there's so many little things throughout the day that just, you didn't even, you weren't even surprised by the time that happened. Oh my God. Yeah, I guess seven hours on the boat, like, <laughs> you, you, you're you not I mean, expecting much at the end there. I mean, if it was an accident, okay, yeah. But if, why, why wouldn't you just jump in the lake? You know, know, even if it's your boat, I'd still jump in the lake. Or, or just give a little tap on the knee, like, yeah. hey, bro, I'm about to shit <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah. Spotlock, like, <laughs> mofo. <laughs> hey, slow, slow her down. I'm going to hang my yeah. ass off the off the oh, side man. here. That that might be one of the best terrible outdoorsman yeah. stories. Yeah, that's a good had. story. Yeah, it might be yeah. story so, of the year. I, I actually spent some time, Garrett, as a first mate on a walleye boat on Lake Erie. Okay. And I have a, a similar story where I was like an observer for a situation like that. And every time I tell the story... I've never heard someone with a similar story, so I'm glad to finally hear somebody else that had somebody on their boat that shit their pants, and then just like the day kind of progressed because we had a similar situation. Did, where didn't you tell that on a previous episode? I can't remember. I was going to ask you if I told it or I, not. I don't, I don't know. know. Tell, tell, tell it again, real quick. I, I think so, you might have, but tell it again. We're just, you know, it's it's another good story. Um, we're talking about so shit. Yeah, Let's it, keep talking about yeah. it. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I fished on a charter boat uh, on Erie, and we were casting. We didn't troll. But anyway, we had a group. There was an older gentleman, so we had a big, you know, fancy deck chair in the back of the boat. And when we would move up for another drift, little chop so it would get sprayed with water. i just run back there and dry it off before I headed up to the bow. And we're standing up under the hard top to go move up for another drift. And I'm standing, standing next to Captain Paul, and we both kind of look at each other at the same time like, oh, man, someone shit their pants, right? And so he cracks the window and is trying to like stick his nose out the breeze to, to yeah. clear his sinuses. Cause you know, like I said, here's an old guy, like maybe he filled his depends. Okay. Whatever. I, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> so we get up to the top of the drift and I head back there to dry off the seat. And I look over in the corner and there's literally like a paper plate of shit on the ground. Just like, like Jif, creamy peanut butter, just a pile. Right. And I, and I'm like, I was kind of, I was like caught deer in the headlights moment. Right. I'm just like, I'm going to dry the seat off and I'm going to get up to the bow and I'm just going to act like it didn't happen. Cause I didn't know what to do. And yeah, Paul looked back and he goes, did somebody shit their pants? <laughs> and this, not, not the old guy, but this one guy raises his hand. Like he was going to win a prize and Paul looks back and, and yeah, he had shit his pants when we were getting ready to move and walked up under the hard top and it's like dripping down his dungaree jeans, you know, his wranglers and stranglers. So I look back, I look back and Paul has like a five gallon bucket that he's sloshing it down the scuppers. And he says to him, he's like, okay, we're halfway through the trip. You've shit your pants. It's literally, it's still in your pants, right? It's bad situation. He goes, we'll just go in. And the guy looks at him and goes, no, that's okay. We can stay out and keep fishing. And, and so, <laughs> like, no, we're really, yeah. we're going and in so, because I'm not going to smell you. Yeah. All day. So, I mean, the rest, you know, another three hours or so, 
he, like Paul said, you're not moving from that spot. He'd stand in the back of the boat. We'd get up. We'd do another drift. And his friends were just fishing next to him like, oh, yeah, you know, it's about time for Ryan to shit his pants, and we'll just keep fishing next to him like this happens all the time. What's his name, so we get back. No, it wasn't. Oh, I was going to say, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so we get back to the marina, and Paul gives him, like, some boat soap, and he goes and takes the guy up. He He put the guy on cardboard in the back of his minivan and takes him up to the campground like bathroom to wash up but you talk about you know everyone's first thing is oh why don't you just hop in well this guy if he did hop in we were not going to be able to get him back in the boat he was a larger individual right but i'm just honored that there's another person out there that has a a similar story because it's like you tell people that and it sounds made up like you said no no one's gonna just shit their pants and not say anything no they are and it happens and the the person that booked the trip Okay, so the guy that had the incident, he was the son-in-law of the guy that booked the trip. So Paul's squaring up with him at the end of the day, and he said, "This isn't the first time this has happened." <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody. So got he issues. had a little bit of a reputation, but Garrett, at least, interesting. Yeah, very it, interesting. Garrett, at least with yours, it was at the end and not, and not at the beginning because <laughs> yeah. that would that would have yeah, really le- sucked. Imagine if he did that like thirty-five miles up river. Right. Yeah, and and I was trapped like, him without. Oh man, you can't drive fast <laughs> enough to get away from that smell. <laughs> Seventy-five yeah. miles per hour. I, I ain't guess. Fast enough. I think the reason. <laughs> I think We're the reason troll, that yours, <laughs> I think. The, I think the reason that your story takes the cake, Garrett, is not only did he just shit his pants, he was running around yeah. naked, yeah. just oh, netting fish. Yeah. On I your never boat. seen someone take off their clothes so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I'd probably just sit there in my shitty pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made, I made boopy. <laughs> just try to like, try to like play it off like nothing happened. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know, know what that man. is. Hey, did you, did you shit your pants? I didn't. I think I sat <laughs> on a candy bar. <laughs> For me, it'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, for me, yeah. it would be like it would be more embarrassing to take my clothes off than it would be to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just run around naked around the back of the boat. Yeah. Uh, just this weird. Just, oh nobody God. wants to see that. Pub- little public service announcement. Yeah, you got to take a shit. Just just say you got to take a shit. <laughs> yeah, tell somebody, man. It happens. There, to everybody, it's better right? it's than thing. like there ain't no shame in it. Everybody shits. It's a, not shitting yourself is not okay. <laughs> Yeah, that should be the name of this episode. Everybody shits. Everybody shits. Everybody <laughs> this is a plug, Ryan. Uh, this Little is a plug did. for the Lugabaloo. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Lugabaloo. Bobby and I went on a 17-mile trip up the Taquamina River, and we bought a bucket with a toilet seat on it just in case. We had a plan for that. Yeah, yeah there was a shitting Prepare. plan. There was a shitting plan. There was a, a an adverse weather plan. There yeah, was, yeah. Uh, if I have a it was stroke like, plan, like there's a plan for everything. It was like 20 bucks. Yeah. that's that. Spending that 20 bucks is better than shitting your pants. All right, we got to change this up. Yeah, yeah. So Any, actually, so. Anything about, besides shitting and yeah. skein. Yeah, please. <laughs> so, so, Garrett, I know, uh, so last summer, or it was actually last fall, you had, uh, remember we raffled off that fishing charter trip that was uh, part of my charity. And uh, I wanted to know how that trip went. Do you remember offhand, hey, with yeah. the gentleman? How, yeah. how'd, that, how'd that go? Yeah, it was uh, it was good. Um, it was actually one of the one of the guys I interact with online as it was. He's who won it. Um, so I already kind of knew the guy, and uh, we just never had gotten around to fish. So we were going to go out on Lake St. Clair. It was like um, mid April, I think, or maybe end of April. And I want to take him out there and make it a really good day. And the weather, actually, we had to reschedule twice because the weather was so bad. 
Okay. And then finally, I was like, you know what? Let's just go inland. Um, I fish for largemouth because the largemouth fishing is awesome at the time of year too. So we went, um, we went to a lake out near like Chelsea, and um, we we did pretty good. It was it was kind of a you know windy, cloudy day, but we managed and he, we I caught a couple of big ones. We probably caught I don't know maybe twenty thirty fish on the day, and he caught one almost six pounds. Nice, so it sure. um, nice. yeah, it was uh, for what the conditions allowed for us. We had a we had a pretty fun day. Awesome. It was uh, and he caught that big one, so it was it was exciting. Sweet, good. What uh, what what lake up in Chelsea did you guys go to? Um. I forgot what the one was no, called. All right. Like Shemong or something like that. There's a ch- <laughs> it's not okay, there's Chelsea at all. No, I guess it's there's Brighton, two right? chains yeah. of lakes in that area, and they're both okay. really good. Yeah, nice. It's a secret, Dan. It's a yeah, secret, Dan. He the, can't tell you. The Waterloo yeah. wreck out there. And yeah. There's the, I could the, tell the, you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> right. Yeah. He knows, well, cool. but he's not telling you. I'm happy to hear that it went well. Good. Um, so a couple other things. Then we got uh, – my my favorite topic to talk about. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm so I've excited been for it. The whole time. I know. So, um, kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but so like growing up, did you have like a maybe like a mentor? You said you fished with your dad, but did you have like maybe someone you idolized, or or maybe someone that really got you into deciding, hey, I want to do this for a living? Maybe it was like a pro or something. Yeah. Um- yeah, like I said, we I fished a lot with my dad, but he didn't know anything about bass fishing. He was just really supportive, and he's a pretty you know pretty successful salmon fisherman, so he understands it, but not not the bass realm of things. Mm-hmm. But there's a guy from Michigan, Kevin Van Dam, um, who's probably undoubtedly the best bass fisherman of all time. Most mm-hmm. end of the year wins, Bassmaster Class. He's won everything, and I I could say that I've tried to model my game after him. Like he's a real fast power fisherman. He wants yep. to cover as many spots as possible. And I kind of, I kind of share the same, uh, same views. I did realize that I probably not going to do it as good as him. So I've had to branch off and, and do more other things where he can just go, go and go. But yeah, kind of growing up in the same area as KVD. Cause like up North, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of fishermen up here, a lot of good fishermen, but it's not like you're in Alabama where there's, 40 guys right. that do it professionally fishing tournaments. So right. there's not a lot of guys up here, but kind of growing up and seeing like, Hey, this guy's in my state and he's right. doing it and he's asked that, you know, why can't I do it? So yeah. I, I say KBD is like, you know, the guy I look up to. Oh yeah. He's got a whole fishing brand with his name yeah. on it. You know, I remember watching him as a kid too. Like I got some of them spinner baits. I got a lot of those, those <laughs> KVD spinner baits and the KVD cranks. And yeah, he's he's from like the Kalamazoo area, I think, right? Kalamazoo, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you ever get a chance to meet him? I yeah, we crossed paths. I haven't sat there and like talked to him forever, but actually, like that story we just told about the co angler, that was actually KBD's old boat. I, I had KBD's old boat for a few years. So oh no shit! Boat. Yep. Wow. Little does he know that someone shit all over. Him. <laughs> Keep circling you, back to the you shit know why, Kevin Van Dam? That's a shitty boat. <laughs> Get it. So um, the next question I I had, and I don't know, maybe we can go like round table with this, but you know, if you could fish with anybody, I guess just just go fishing for fun. Is there anybody that you would want to fish with, past or present, that like you would give anything in the world to fish with? Mm, that's a good question. It could be professional. It could be an old family lot. member. Yeah, there's lots of guys. Um, and you don't have to go lot. first, Bob, if you got it, or Jason. Thought we'd be go round table see who, who if there's anybody that we would want to go fishing with. 
Mike yeah, Keys. I, I, I want to go fishing with I Mike. I want to go fishing with Mike Keys. Keys, man. He seems like the nicest dude on earth, man. Yeah. Super knowledgeable, super upbeat all the time. Yep. Loves to fish. Yeah, high, high I, I would, energy. Yeah, high energy. Like Mike, I could fish with Mike. So Keys. Mike Keys, a musky fisherman from Keys Outdoors, okay. and uh, he's got a show on YouTube and uh, I think Outdoor Channel, one of those channels, yeah. and. He is so high energy. It just seems like he be he would be a fun. Just dude a to mellow. Fish with. Well, he's mellow too. Like yeah. he's like, yeah, we're just gonna go out there and catch some fish. It's yeah. gonna be an awesome well, time. We're gonna have I like a great, because like he'll do an be entire <laughs> episode of like, oh, we're going fishing on some lake in Wisconsin, and like it's thirty minute episode, and they didn't catch any fish. Yeah, they catch a single <laughs> fish, but I, I enjoyed the whole. Episode. I can relate. That's to very him. realistic. I can yeah. relate to him. So that's actually mine too. Is is my keys of Jim all the Sarek, like, no professionals? You know, like. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of them are really cool and down to earth. He's the one though that to me, like I would love to spend a, a day on, on the lake with him. So, what do you guys got? I, I'm probably going Kevin Van Dam. Um, yeah. Not only, not only just to learn from him, um, I like kind of getting in the mindset of or, or seeing the mindset of those guys that are at the top. You know, I'd even go with like Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, just just to be around yeah. one of those guys dominated their sport i I like i just like to talk to them and you know see what makes some difference it's not the physical ability at that point it's they have something mental that the rest of the world doesn't have so almost, one of those guys. i'd almost rather like not rather but i'd uh, just have a beer with them just make conversation with them you know like just exactly, pick his yeah. brain on bass fishing like mm-hmm. yeah I would like to fish with Tiger Woods as well, yeah. and then and then just and then he'd I'll still fish him. he'd still I fish would you. I would fish him and be like boom I just I just whoop Tiger Woods's ass he'd still I'll fish you he would definitely out fish me <laughs> he's got the right mindset yeah. I quit yeah mine mine would for sure be like a Kevin Van Dam or even like Hank Cherry I think somebody like yeah. that that'd be that'd be pretty cool Hank Parker I was always oh, that'd I liked. be cool too I always yeah. liked him as a kid too I don't know why I mean he was like that Southern accent he just seemed like a down to earth dude but. Jason, it's gonna be it's um, gonna be me, right? This weekend, yeah, musky you, fishing. You this weekend. <laughs> um, so, growing up, I was a huge Jimmy Houston guy. Oh, yeah. I would kiss fish. I would go to Bass Pro and wait in line and get my hat signed by him, and then I'd go the next year and wait in line and get my hat signed by him again. And um, so that was that was a cool one. I liked Jimmy Houston growing up a lot. Um, and actually, Garrett, there were times I can remember being in school, you know, like fifth grade, and they say, "Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "A pro, pro bass fisherman." And there was like, yep. "Okay, well, we're not gonna like that's not gonna work for this exercise. How about you be a doctor?" <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit! It's not gonna work for this. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, but uh, you clearly don't know so, me, teacher. Yeah, yeah. So as a little kid, it was Jimmy Houston. I just thought he was yeah. amazing. You know, yeah. bought some books and stuff. But have you guys ever? And it's not on. I don't think anymore. Um, there was a show called Beat Charlie Moore. Oh yeah. You remember? He was in your face, trash talking. So I guess there's. I'd like to fish with him, but the caveat would be I'd have to like guarantee to win the the competition. But I'd like to go to toe to toe with him and throw it right back and then beat him on his own show. I think that would be pretty <laughs> epic. <laughs> nice. You know, the, uh, so obviously like this, the sport is predominantly, you know, male. Is there any female professional anglers around that you just kind of don't really hear of? Or is there a, is, is there a female presence within the bass fishing circuit at all? There is. And there's, and it's growing fast. Um, so the, 
like top level elite series. There hasn't been one that's made it through yet. There's been a couple girls that have gotten decently close um, to qualifying, but just, you know, I'm sure in time they'll make it through, but yeah, on the lower levels or, or the, the level under uh, the bass opens, there's, um, gosh, I don't know, three to, I'd say three to five, maybe more girls each tournament, which I know out of nice. 200 some guys isn't a ton, but there's definitely some there. And there's some girls, there's actually one girl in kayak fishing. That's really good. Uh, she might be like the best, or one of the best kayak fishermen in the world, just in general. She's won a bunch of money. Christine Fisher's her name, so she's she's kicking butt. But yeah, that's starting I think to happen. I've seen and, her on social media. Yeah, she's like she's that. actually she's amazing. Um, but girls, the girls are, uh, you know, they're good for just the promotion of the sport. You know, yeah, they make it easier to sell product. They they open up to a new audience, all that good stuff. Oh, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good. That's good. That's that's it's good for the sport. I mean. Diversity, yeah, yeah. yeah, diversity yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You see a lot more women, and even like hunting. Like, there's so many hunting shows now with yeah. that are with women, and um, and then you know, I've never seen a fishing show really with it. But you see a lot of like, like the keys outdoors. He's fishing. Usually, he's got women on his show. Um, yeah, I mean, look um, at your wife. Your wife loves to fish. Yeah, you know, she does better than you half the time. So fuck off. I mean, <laughs> look at the picture of her personal best uh, northern man. I mean, shut your mouth, Dan. Huge. Whatever. All right, so let's get into the the nitty gritty of this. So obviously, we had some big news in the fishing world. The biggest biggest news, probably in my lifetime, because it was all over CNN. We talked about it a couple episodes ago about some some jagaloons that got caught uh, cheating in a Lake Erie walleye tournament. So, Jason, give us a quick update because there's been some recent um, updates to this story, and then we'll go into. Garrett, I want to get your kind of opinion on it. So what do you got, Jason? First, I want to get Bob to yell the motto. We got weights and fish! <laughs> all right, there we go. So, yeah, recent developments. So we've all been kind of – I'm sure we've all been sort of tuning in to see, like, what's the first article that's going to come out. I know earlier this week uh, the boat and trailer that were uh, used by the alleged party – uh, was confiscated as like evidence for the case. And then there's a list of charges against them. So I'm going to read the charge. We'll talk about what it comes with and then kind of step through like the maximum penalty for those just to sort of put it in perspective. So they've got one count of cheating, which is a felony of the fifth degree, one count of attempted grand theft, which is a uh, fifth degree felony, one count of possessing criminal tools fifth degree felony and one count of unlawful ownership of wild animals, which is a fourth degree misdemeanor. Um, The last one there for the the unlawful ownership of wild animals is tied to those chunks of walleye fillets that they had jammed on the throat of those fish. And then uh, ridiculous. (laughs) So here it says um, fifth degree felonies are punishable by up to 12 months in prison and up to $2,500 in fines Fourth degree misdemeanor is punishable by up to 30 days in jail and up to $250 in fines. So, I mean, you know, I think a lot of the angling world is watching it. Uh, It got a lot of the angling world's attention, I think. And Garrett, maybe you can touch more on this. I think cheating in tournaments is not unheard of, yet this one obviously got, I mean, national, 
national news, yeah. maybe international. I don't really have any international news channels on my TV, but um, it blew up. Like you said, yeah. what, what the one time you can see Fox and CNN both reporting on the same story with the same <laughs> with the same message on the same story, right? So anyway, yeah, like you said, we're just sort of keeping an eye on how things go. Um, and I don't have any sort of law background to know. No, those those charges are. I guess I didn't know what to expect on what kind of charges they were going to bring up, but the fact that they're actual felonies, like think about that, these, you know, like, oh man, all these felony charges. If they if they do lay the hammer down on these guys and they get the, these charges, and then the the other one, Jason, I read that regarding the fish fillets, that they could lose their fishing license for life if they get that. Like, think about that, man. Like, just. That'd be the worst penalty at all. I'd never be able to fish again. I think it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to be difficult for them for like a. I think it's going to be difficult from a prosecution standpoint to to actually put evidence out there to show that they actually stuff shit down these these fish unless they confess throat. to it, you know? right, right? Unless they confess to it or they plead to a lower charge, which is normally what happens ninety percent of the time. <clears throat> if the preponderance of evidence is against them, like they're gonna, they'll wind up pleading down to a lesser charge of a misdemeanor or whatever it might be. But for the most part, I don't, I don't see it sticking because they, you have to have video footage, you have to have hard evidence that yeah. they're a fingerprint on a goddamn steel lead ball that they shoved down this thing's throat they have yeah. to have that and if you don't have that you can be like hey i caught that fish out there and it was full of shit you know it was it was full of weights <laughs> you know what i'm saying all, How you all five of them so it's it's the preponderance of evidence so like that that investigation has to be able to stand on its own and can't be circumstantial if they don't admit to anything like they're they're gonna get away with it or not get away i don't think they're gonna get away with it i think they're gonna they'll, get something they'll, but. they'll plead to a lesser thing and they'll wind up getting yeah. you know their yeah, you know, well, what we you talked know, about. I don't. Though, I don't foresee them doing time in jail. But we, we talked about hit. it on that last couple episodes ago. Like, I mean, even if they do, don't get all the misdemeanor or felony charges. Think of the civil suits that are going to come mm-hmm. come out of this from the other anglers from that. So, just yeah, it's it, we're going to be watching for a while. So, so Garrett, I'm really interested to hear your side of it now since you're in. You're obviously competitive fisherman. Like, yeah. what's your take on this? So I, I think the. I, I one, I'm against cheating a hundred percent, but I, I think the sad part, the reality is that this is the, what people think of fishing now, because this yeah. is the only national news fishing's ever made or international yeah. news is unfortunately a cheating story. It's not yeah. about who won a tournament or who did this. It's yep. about guys that cheat. So I think that's, that's a sad reality, but um, no, I think that, um, so fishing, it, it could be along the lines of NASCAR as in like, there's lots of rules in these tournaments and, a lot of guys um, will push them and, and do what it takes. Um, not saying I'm one of those guys, but there's, you know, if you want to look around and ask around, you can probably hear stories of guys doing stuff, whether it's getting information for lakes or it's, you know, doing stuff like that. So, you know, going through a new, a no wake zone faster than you should little performance edges like that, which, you know, I don't know if there's levels of cheating, but I think when you're actually altering your fish, that's as bad as it gets in my opinion. When you're yeah. changing the way you're fishing, you know, it's one thing, like, we're not we're not supposed to get any help for these tournaments. We're not supposed to get any information. If a guy does it and goes out and does well in the tournament, you know, he still has to catch the fish. Right. So, yeah, there's a so there's some portion that's not saying I'm agreeing with it, but he's still catching the fish and he's not doing that. But when you actually are just changing your fish, that's, that's pretty low. Um, yeah. So, 
that that's gonna and you're stuffing 12 yeah. inch weights down their, down yeah. their throat <laughs> that, i mean what, what what really like just boggles my mind still is that they're they're stuffing these walleye fillets down their mouth yeah, that's that's kind of like a slap in the face. Yeah, that's being cocky. And, and I'm still wondering where the hell they got the fillets from. Like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I hope, didn't you say there was a pair of pliers or something? Yeah, they found a pair of pliers down one of them too. What? Like, like, what are they thinking out on the boat? Like, that. they're that desperate to win this tournament. And like, I think we said that like they won by like 20 pounds or something in this yeah, tournament. Like, like it wasn't even close because it was a particularly bad day, weather wise yeah. and conditions. Like, they didn't need to do all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, think yeah. think about the the fish that they turned in in the day prior or whatever. It, it was a one day tournament on this one. It was a one day tournament because, so because of the weather conditions. They did a one day tournament. It was normally yeah. Like they actually would have yeah. won the tournament without yeah. cheating. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah. don't think they're terrible fishermen by any means. I'm not defending them, but I I think the guys well, yeah. are actually, or at least that day, they were good fishermen. Right. I mean, uh, if they really did catch those five fish that day, that's another thing too, right? Because that's I know that's I've read an article about that. Like they don't know because those fish were like so dead and lifeless like they don't know if those fish were even caught that day mm-hmm. you know they've been fishing this walleye just lake erie walleye tour all summer long like they have no idea like there's so much more that can come out right. of it but it, it's gonna be a, like what you can prove yeah you know, yeah. At the end of the day. yeah it's just garrett you had said obviously there's a lot of rules in the uh circuit that you're in and everything do you foresee there being adjustments to the rules you have or is your you know, situation, like, obviously, there's so many rules you already have. This is the rules that are in place are to prevent that from happening. Or do you see something now that will change on how you experience tournaments? Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see metal detectors in our tournaments or anything like that. Like, I think, you know, one of the reasons we have the pros and the AMs is to police each other, self-police. Because it's a random draw, you don't know who you're getting. Um, so that's kind of the uh, idea behind that as well, is that it's not just you're out there by yourself. Um I think what difference uh, you'll make one is like, it, it's hard. There's so many guys. It's like, do you give everybody a polygraph after the tournament? Like that's not really uh, financially possible right. for these materials. So like, that's, that's unfortunate. Like that's the only way you're really going to clean it up. And even then, you know, you can polygraphs aren't hundred percent. It is what it is. But yeah. I think, um, I think the beauty of this is I'll just say it. And a lot of the tournament stuff gets covered up and swept under the rug. And I think there was a really positive uh, response towards that going public. And I know the tournament director got publicity. And I think a lot of guys uh, probably have more respect for that walleye trail yeah. because they could have let these guys, you know, these are probably their biggest stars in this trail. Not that that's a giant trail. It might be, but there's a, those are well-known guys. And that guy could have just said, Hey, these guys are attracting other anglers to come beat them. Um, so we want these guys to keep winning and doing well, and we don't. We want a good image. We didn't want people to think that we let cheaters here in the last twelve months. And they said, "No, screw it. We're bringing it all out, and we're going to fix it right here." And I think that uh, you know, and my hope is that other trails and organizations will see that, and that some of this will be more public. Yeah. So I think that might be, or that's my hope of, of the response. But yeah, it might just, you know, I, I that 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 style with the dead fish um, because they're putting those fish in cool. And bring them. Like we have to keep everything alive um, and things like that. And everything's checked before we go out. So it's, it's, it's actually pretty hard to do. Like some guys have tied them up to a tree and, and done that. But at these <laughs> higher levels, I don't think you're seeing, 
I don't I don't think you're seeing fish alterations. It seems like the guys will yeah. cheat more for three hundred bucks or hundred. Brian, grand. that's but like I your uh, your live turkey decoy that you <laughs> want to tie to a tree. <laughs> but I, I think yeah. Uh, yeah, it might just everyone might be more on guard, and uh, maybe guys if they see something weird. Um, like, cause it sounded like those guys weren't surprised when they were caught. It sounded like everyone was kind of rumbling in the crowd. At least I, I thought they were like, Oh, those fish don't weigh that much. Maybe yeah. when people are suspicious, settle on it slide, you know, you just strain it all right there, whether they're cheating or not, just get out of the way and have that conversation or check those fish or, or whatever you got to do. So, but hopefully, uh, and hopefully it deters the people that are, cause, um, you know, I don't, I, I also don't think these guys are going to jail. I've seen guys cheat. Um, and like, I know, a lot of those charges are, are with the financial or with the amount of money they're winning or or won there. That's how that's what gets into a felony, um, which they probably didn't even get the money for the tournament, um, which is actually going to hurt the case. But uh, I, I've seen some of these cases before where you – I don't know what the number is, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, whatever it is to make it a felony. Um, and I don't think I've, I've ever seen them go to jail, so they probably won't. But hopefully this is just like a – you know, hopefully they're – you know, I don't want to see someone's life get ruined over it because they're never going to fish tournaments again. They're never going to fish right. again. Um, I obviously they did a bunch of people wrong, but hopefully this is there's a little bit of an example, and the people that are thinking about doing it are like, uh, eh, we better uh, maybe not because yeah. when you start dealing with money, it gets real. <laughs> well, like you said their lives are ruined. Like even if they don't yeah. get the charges, like they no, guarantee they yeah. they lose their sponsor. They don't fish competitively anymore. They're not even going to want to go to a boat ramp for the nope. rest of their life. So, <laughs> and that's the way, and that's the way it should be. So. Yep. I mean, that that's probably the, the biggest crime – or not crime, but biggest yeah. punishment to them right there is take that away. Yeah, we talked about yeah, your, your, your life's ruined. Like, we don't need yeah. the fines. I, I bet they get fined some money too, but it'll be minuscule. You know, like, they don't need the jail time. Our prisons are full enough. Bob knows that. Yeah, there's <laughs> – um, but yeah, like they can stew. T- yeah, take all the take all the shit away. You know, they can still have jobs, but you know what? You're not going to fish competitively anymore. So, but think of the I said it before, but like think of the 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 guts the director had to just grab those fish and just start gutting them. Yeah. Like he was that like confident, like something was wrong. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen anything like that? Like on on the bass scale, like anything? No. no. It just seems like crazy. There's, there's been situations where. Um, guys have protested one another, like, Hey, I think he was cheating. And it kind of goes behind closed doors. They'll take a polygraph or I'll talk about it. Um, and then that's kind of the end of it, whether that's, you know, I've seen some people get disqualified because of that, or I've seen them not get disqualified, but I've never seen a public showing like that. Yeah. That was insane to see. It was like a, <laughs> it was a mob. Yeah, it was like a mob. I couldn't like, believe it. Yeah. I really couldn't believe it. It's yeah. I remember the first time I watched that, I kind of thought it was like staged. And then all of a sudden, like, it's just blowing up on every social media. And I'm like, okay, I need to sit down and watch this. And, like, holy shit, like, this is real. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing it on CNN and MSNBC. And I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> this is yeah. this is getting big. You never see fishing on the news. So they say, like, no or, like, bad PR is, bad still, is still good is good PR, right? So hopefully. Either that or, or bad news travels further. Yeah. 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 I mean, hopefully, like, like you said, Garrett, like, this is, does look very negatively on the fishing world. Hopefully, that's not the outcome of it. Hopefully, you know, that's more of they, they res- people respect the integrity that the director had of calling this out and saying, hey, not, not going to happen anymore instead of all fishermen are cheaters, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, people were like, oh, wow, I didn't know there were walleye tournaments. Oh, my God. People, go, <laughs> yeah, people no, still fish sure. nowadays. I didn't know that we'd still do that. <laughs> they fish for that much money? Like, there's that much <laughs> money? 20-something thousand yeah. dollars? Yeah. yeah. 
I'm going to buy a fishing pole. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I want to, I want to say those guys won maybe 300,000 last year. Yeah. yeah. That's what I saw. If I heard that right. So yeah. that would be that, that would be a shame. If, and now, of course you'll never prove that, but I mean, yeah, I, I said, I, unless I, they had end up admitting to doing it in previous tournaments, which they won't. If, if, yeah, they're, if they're smart, why, why the hell would you do that? No, you know? no they're going to lawyer up, man. Yep. Oh, get yeah, themselves they, a lawyer. This shit will go to litigation, and it'll. it'll yeah. Yeah. We're going to stay on top of it. I'm, I'm still intrigued about this. So, you know, we're talking about kind of like you know learning lessons and stuff. And there was a question that we had written down. You know, what would, what would be like the most important lesson that? What's the most important lesson that you've learned throughout your career? And then, what would be like something for someone you know starting off new? You know, what what would you have for them? for someone that's never been bass fishing that's like, hey, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, I, I think we kind of touched on the lesson thing a little bit earlier where I was talking about, you know, be yourself on the water. Fish fish what you like to do um, with things you're comfortable with. Don't try to go to a lake and like, hey, I need to throw this worm because I know guys are going to catch them on it, like, even yeah. though you don't like doing it. So you need to, you know, you need to go out there and just – you know, everyone's kind of got like their own personality on their water. They got their own confidence in things and, and, and be that person, you know, don't, don't conform to what you think you have to do. Just, just go out there and, and do your thing. And usually it's always, always for the better. It might not work hundred percent of the times, but I'd say 80, 90% of the times you can make little adjustments and, and get by and catch some fish doing it how you want to do it. So, and you're always going to have more success um, or, and better days when you're, comfortable out there you're happy with what you're doing you know you're not hating like oh man i gotta throw this bait like you're always gonna do better with things that you want to do so that's that um you know it's kind of vague but that is it, it seems like a simple concept but it's you'll find yourself getting sidetracked and i do it all the time getting sidetracked oh i know i gotta do this and you don't have to a lot of times you just need to make some little adjustments or move around the lake and you can, you can always fish how you want to fish. Yeah. Um, but for a new people, yeah, for a new person, uh, new one, new or someone starting out, gosh, I mean, there's obviously so much to learn. And, uh, you know, one thing I look back on, if I look back on when I started out and maybe a mistake I made is I felt like I could do it all myself. You know, I want to, I'll figure this out myself. I don't need any help. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to listen, but I just kind of wanted to hear what I wanted to hear and, and figure the rest out myself. And I wish I would have fished with as many people as possible. Um, you'll pick up, even if a guy's, let's say, not a great angler, he's going to have something to show you or to learn from. And maybe it's maybe you learn, hey, I don't want to fish like this because this guy never catches anything. But I get out there with as many people as you can. Of course, people like you know that you're going to enjoy, you know, being yeah. around for hours at a time but get out there with a lot of people uh bounce ideas back and forth make friends that you're comfortable with sharing information with and you know kind of work together as a team because it's hard to go out there as one person and figure all the stuff out there's so many conditions baits things different lakes rivers that you're, you're just not gonna you're never i mean no one's ever gonna get close to grasping the, the whole you know concept and knowledge of fishing but i get out there with as many people as i can and it, it'll greatly uh greatly cut your learning curve down it's it really it's like a science breaking down fishing i mean yeah. every type of fishing is different like whether you're bass fishing i mean walleye fishing salmon fishing like even though i was puking on jason's boat for two days like i learned a ton of shit i i, I didn't know 
I mean, it's a whole different animal compared to bass fishing, compared to musky fishing, to walleye fishing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's for sure. And then, um, like you said, fishing with with different people. You know, Jason, I've I've learned a ton from you. My buddy Mark, I've learned a ton from him. I learned from Bob. Dan, I learned what not to do with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> here we go no no the next time we went out you caught a couple of fish i think and i i don't know if i caught anything so couple, yeah yeah at least I, I learned what not, we were not to use so but going back to your confidence thing though like i would i mean not that i fish competitively but like i i'm the type of guy where like i'm gonna go to a lake and i'm gonna use what i know catch fish and like there's times where bob and i'll be on the lake and like he'll be just hitting them with a particular lure and i'm like ah, i don't catch shit with that i don't like it i don't like how the action is it just doesn't feel right to me and i will purposely not use that and i'll still catch fish because it's just like what i'm comfortable with but so so i kind of want to go back to um go back a little bit um so another thing kind of i want to talk about that's been controversial recently um is panoptics in tournament fishing what's your thoughts on that i know on the musky side of it um they had like some I don't know if you heard it all, but there was a musk in the professional musky tour. These guys like cleaned house on one of the musky tournaments and they caught, I don't even know, they caught like eight fish and like the next, the second place boat caught like three and they were using pan optics and they, they credit it all to that. Well, the very next tournament they ended up out or banning it for this season until they can review it. So now all of a sudden these guys who are in first place in the overall musky trail can't use it in the finale or i think the finale might have been last weekend actually so they can't use it anymore and that was their main tool so what's your thought um and is is that even panoptics is allowed on the bass tournament right yeah so yeah panoptics forward sonar lawrence has active target i use hummingbird which is mega live anything you know the forward sonar shoots off and and for people that don't know what we're talking about um, you can actually usually see out to like 100 plus feet you can see your bait in the water you can see the fish swimming around and it's essentially just like having eyes underwater. Right. Um, I mean, I, so, I want this technology. I want to have yeah, it. But. It, it, it's, it's, and it's, yeah, it's awesome technology. It'll make you a better fisherman if you know what to do with it. Um, I have caught tons of fish I would have never caught with it. And I've probably missed tons of fish that I would have caught if I didn't have it because I've been stuck with it. But I'll say, you know, when it first came out, I, I think the only reason to change the rules with this technology is if we're going to ruin the fisheries. Um, and, and I have a few reasons why. Like, So if you look at the guys in the bass fishing world that were the best in the world before this, guess what? They're still the best in the world yeah. with us. Yeah. The guys, this, didn't, this isn't going to make a guy that's not a top-level fisherman into one. It's just not. This is just going to take a guy that's putting in the effort, that has always put in the effort to learn whatever they have. They're just going to use this tool and become a better angler. Um, in the situation that you can use it, this isn't something you use every day. If you're in shallow water and you're flipping under docks or, you, or fishing wood or in the thick grass or the fish is laying right on the bottom, you'll never see them um, with this. But there are times, like you go on Lake St. Clair and use it, you're going to see smallmouth bass and catch them, or you're going to see musky. Like, I'm not saying it's not. I mean, it's a, it's a very good um, tool, and it's a very um, – it's kind of shown us a part of the lakes with suspended fish in particularly that we've never, we've never known. We've, we're finding places where the fish live that we never knew about, you know, that's suspending in trees or in the middle of the lake chasing bait fish. Those are fish you could never catch without this, or it's really random and rare to catch without it. It's just hard. Now we can make the exact cast, <clears throat> but this, uh, I'm not for banning it. No. Um, because of, because of the reasons that I think the angular, and that's, we're going to, and that's, we're damaging the lakes 
which I don't think we're going to because there's just fish out there that are never going to bite artificial baits, and there's a, probably more of those in there than there are that will bite artificial baits. Um, and that's where damaging the lakes. Uh, I think technology is important fishing. I think it advances the sport. It creates new opportunities for baits, lines, the whole industry behind it. Uh, I don't think you want to get stagnant. And I and I think as a viewer, um, if you banned live sonar on the Bass Trail or on a muskie trail or on the walleye tour, as a viewer, to me, that's like watching the NFL with a bunch of uh, fat white dudes. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I mean, and, and I say that because like the average person can now go out there and be better. Like you want to see the premier guys with the premier talent, with the premier technology yeah. uh, compete. And, and I, and I don't, I think if you start banning this stuff, it's, it's dangerous yeah. um, as far as just making the sport exciting. Cause I mean, there might be a time where if, if, it, if you ban so much technology and you have so much technology develop where the guy that doesn't fish professionally or fishes once a month, maybe he can't, maybe the technology gets so good where he is better than the pros. And um, that's going to, that's going to completely kill the sport. So I think you got to yeah. keep it in and, and give it to the guys and, and, you know, let them do their thing with it. Yeah. I know the big um, talk with, as far as the musky trail is, you know, there's a lot of guys that fish that because the musky trail, it's, it's only like six tournaments. It's not all summer long. It's not something that you have mm-hmm. to like invest your life into doing you can do it like weekend warrior type thing. Yeah. Like Bob and I have talked about like actually like maybe doing an event just to be last place. And, uh, the PMTT. but like there's, yeah, the PMTT, but there's, you know, there's guys out there who have been doing this for a long time, have the money, they have all this stuff. And then there, there's your dude out there. Who's he's fishing in a, a 16 foot Lund that he's had for 25 years and he can't afford a couple thousand dollars in electronics. So he's saying it's not fair because he can't afford it. Blah blah blah. But my thought is, you're on the professional musky tour. Professional, you know, yeah. like like you said, best of the best. Bring it all to the table. We want to catch the most fish, the biggest fish. Use whatever tool to your discretion. So I'm 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 with you. I'm I'm definitely not for banning it. I just think it's very interesting that they, after the outcry of that tournament, they just shot right to banning it until they can investigate it till next year. So like the rest of the tournaments for this year, it's banned. And it's like, this is the tool that those guys used to win that tournament. Now they can't use yeah. it at the next one. Like to me, it's just not right. But I think it's a little bit more yeah. controversial on the musky side of it yeah. because the size of the fish, I mean, oh, with, yeah. with bass, it's, it's, it's easy to, you know, to misconstrue what you can't tell whether one's a large mouth or a small mouth, but you can definitely tell what a muskie looks like on it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, so it's a little bit more pronounced and like, Oh, that's definitely a fish. That's definitely a muskie right over there. You know, and a little bit easier to target using, uh, you know, some of the advanced, uh, imaging systems. So yeah, I, if, I, I get it. it, but, it yeah. It'll still turn into, in my opinion, if, if it's easier to find them, it'll just, the fish are just going to get bigger because this is going to turn on the, well, who can catch the biggest ones now? Right. Everybody can find them. So that's, I, I think, yeah, that's um, true. It's a good point. Yeah. Like they, like, so they have in, in bass, we can't fish more than one, uh, bait per line. There's things called Alabama rigs yeah. or like double food rigs, um, which are at times are super, super effective. And the Alabama rig came out guy who was throwing it before anyone else blew away a tournament. And then like yeah. the next few tournaments, like, you know, eight or nine of the top 10 were honestly using that bait because it was something new the fish haven't seen. And they, right away, everyone rushed out to ban it. And if they went out and had the, allowed us to use the Alabama rigs, it would just fall into its category. 
Yep. It would it would not dominate the tournaments, and then maybe the few tournaments a year that it lines up, guys might win a tournament on it, or maybe a top ten yeah. gets made on it. But all, Mother Nature <clears throat> always adjusts itself, always protects itself, and it will do the same thing with this live sonar. It's kind of freaky now because the fish aren't used to it, and maybe we're catching fish that they don't realize what's happening. But they're gonna adjust, I promise. And uh, that that technology will not be as dominant as it is, and it's not even as dominant as it is right now. It's just I think because whenever you have something that comes with a price tag, like it is expensive, yeah. it uh, people automatically are just like, oh, it's so good, it's automatic, and it's yeah. it's it's not the case. The guys that are good are or were good before yeah. are still the best. So well, we went up on that musky trip to Quamanon. And the uh, the guys we went with had a separate boat, and he was bragging about how he had this new pan optics on his boat. They didn't get it's all, it's all he talked about. Right? Yeah. He's like, oh, I got this pan optics. We're going to watch him down there like it's a video game. And I'm like, that's cool, dude, whatever. Yeah, they never even got a bite. Yeah, yeah. We fished the Taquamna River for four days. They caught some pike, and um, I think they just caught a couple pike. They didn't catch any bass or anything. But, yeah, they didn't catch a damn thing, and they had all those electronics, and Bob and I were just floating down the river doing our thing and we put three in the boat so i got side scan <laughs> yeah we got side scan yeah 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 it's not gonna make him bite so no. he's still well, gotta... like, you, like you said you still got to catch him you can yeah. find out where the fish are but you got to find out what it's going to take to bite them i mean there's times where well shit we just talked about it last episode jason and salmon when they're they're cruising up the pier marquette river and they're just stacked up like cordwood and you can cast whatever you want but you know, you yeah, we can see the salmon right there. Unless you know what's going to make them bite, it doesn't mean doesn't do you any any good. So, yeah. So that kind of rolls into my next question: is uh, so what? I guess what tool do you feel is like the most underrated? Like it's a must-have, but it's underrated. Like in your boat, it could it could be doesn't have to be a lure, rod, whatever. But do you, what, what's a, like a completely underrated tool that you use? Really underrated. Good question. It could be electronics that we just talked about. I don't know, but that's not, I don't know if that's underrated because everybody. Talks yeah, that's about not underrated. It, uh, everything's pretty known. I'll say, and it's not underrated. But one that comes to mind real quick is like uh, the Tromo with spot lock. I use a Minn Kota Ultrax. That's a big deal for me. Like when you catch a fish, you hit a spot lock, and the boat just stays. Like yeah. that's days of drifting around, and then you gotta try to find out where you caught that fish. That's that's a big one. Um, not necessarily underrated. Um, I've, underrated. I've talked about it for like this whole i think since we started the stamp podcast that i'm getting spot lock that's like my next investment for my yeah, boat that is, uh, is spot lock because there's time, like even in Squamina river like there's times where like we hooked a fish and that current's moving so fast and i'm like but by the time we got done messing with that fish i mean we're hundreds of yards down river and we're like okay let's reset let's motor all the way back up if we had that spot lock you press a button that keeps us right there get done with the fish get right back at that same spot so that's an important one um you know, an underrated thing that I'll say it's underrated because a lot of guys bypass is honestly like your hooks, um, treble hooks, uh, any kind of hooks really. Treble hooks comes to mind for me because a lot of guys just put on their, you know, they get a crankbait or topwater bait, they tie it on, they go fishing. Um, like in a tournament situation for me, I will never fish with stock hooks on a bait. Um, I'd rather use what I think is the right hook for the situation, like whether I want something really thin and sharp. Or I want something that's got a thicker gauge with no flex because I'm dealing with bigger fish. But switching those treble hooks uh, or or any hook, of course, that you're using and making sure it's right for the job is a big deal. Um, to me, I mean, for me, efficiency is everything. Like I, you know, we're trying not to lose any fish, yeah. and having the, having the wrong hook for the job, whether it doesn't fit the bait right or, like I said, it's 
too thick of a gauge or too thin of a gauge, um, it will cost you fish and it will cost you fish dearly. And it's something that guys just kind of like, oh man, another one came off. And if they sit there and examine what's happening, they can, they can clean up a lot of those missed fish just by usually switching their hooks around. Now, are you like opting towards the thinner hook? So, so back, yeah, this, the new wave, um, like I'm with Gamagatsu, I throw all Gamagatsu hooks. Um, that's not a plug, like all brands are getting this way. But back in the day, you'd have to use a thicker gauge hook that was really strong. So you didn't want any flex. Like I don't want any flex in general with any of these hooks. But back in the day, it used to be only a thick gauge hook to do that. So I'd have a lot of fish. I'd, I'd hook them, and they'd come, and they'd jump off right away. I'm like, what the heck happened? And I started to realize that thick gauge of hook is not penetrating their mouth. It's just too thick. And now, um, you know, with better technology or advancements, whatever it is, they're coming out with really thin gauge stuff that's just as strong. And that's uh, that's been life changing for me where I'm able to, I'm able to get, you know, get by with a hook that's easy to penetrate, but it's still not going to bend out of a hook, a big fish or I'm in thick cover or use it heavy, whatever the, whatever the deal is. But yeah, I say the general rule is go as thin and as strong as you can. Um, but don't go so thin where it costs you, yeah. you know, kind of find that fine line and sharp, of course, sharpening. Yeah. I mean, I'm sharpening. If my base hitting the bottom or hitting anything, I'm, I'm constantly, feeling my bait, checking everything. And if I got to sharpen it, I will. And if I can't sharpen it, I cut it off and put on a fresh one. Yeah. That's, that's something that's, I don't want to say newer to me, but something that I've, I've, I've recently focused more on. Cause I used to always just like, you take a hook out of the pack or you take a lure out of the package. Mm-hmm. You think it's, it's sharp from the manufacturer. Right. And it's definitely not the case. Are, it's not yeah. like some of them are pretty sharp, but like you can still put a little bit of an edge on that. Like, um, especially in the musky world, like most of those musculars are not that sharp because <laughs> those are, yeah. I mean, they're so, they're so heavy. They're so thick. Like yeah. you've got to hit them with a file and, and put an edge on it. But, um, I've, I've recently kind of switched out a lot of my treble hooks with like either the mustache or I, I've tried the trocars, like just switching out to a different brand. Cause I don't know what comes on some of these lures, but just changing mm-hmm. up, changing up size. Do you, do you generally go with like a bigger size or is it just situational? Yeah, like the size um, like of the treble hook. I like to upsize if I can. I feel like a bigger hook gets more bite in a fish. Um, but then there's baits like you look at a maybe a jerk bait that's suspending in the water or top water, where uh, upsizing it's going to be detrimental towards the lure's action. So you, you know you got to be if you can upsize on a bait, it's not going to hurt the action. I say go for it. Otherwise, what what comes stock is is probably going to be around the size that you want to be around. Um, yeah. so you got to kind of feel that out. Like if you throw a top water bait, you put big hooks on and start sinking. Obviously yeah. you've, you've gone too big. Yeah. You don't want to mess up the action of the, of the Correct. water. The action is number one. Yeah. I bought a, I bought some treble hooks, uh, this past year I had a particular lipless crankbait that I've always done super well on. So, so well that I've broke off the hook because I caught so many damn fish on it. So I, I went to look uh-huh. for some new treble hooks and I found the, uh, VMC has them where they have a little blade on it. Okay, like yeah. attached to it. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty sweet. Right. Give a little extra flash. I've thrown that thing all year and I haven't caught a damn fish on it. And it's been, it was been my go-to for like two years. It's just a Chrome and it's so chewed up and nasty, but it does something to the action to where like, I don't even get follows. I get nothing on it. It's the craziest thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like just the most oh, minor, like- minor thing. Like I thought for sure it'd be giving it a little extra flash, a little something, but it's, it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> Telling that they shake or shimmy or doing whatever it does. Yeah, so. I don't know if it just it doesn't give enough rattle because that blade is 
not letting it bounce back and forth or something. But like, that's where, I mean, if you really want to get, you know, good at fishing, like you got to mess around with that stuff. Like it's a science. It, it is. You got to go yeah, out like, with that intention of just like tuning learning. your gear up and learning what your lure does. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, uh, like, like in fishing, you, you can't control, or sorry, I was just gonna say in fishing, you can't control the wind, you can't control the rain, stuff like that, but you can control your tackle or, or how your boat yeah. is prepared. Anything you can control, um, at least in my, uh, or in my mindset is I want to be a hundred percent with it. Cause there is so little that you can control that you want to have the right hooks, the right line, the rod, all that stuff. Cause like I said, I mean, just control what you can and put the odds in your favor. Cause so much of it is not in your favor already to start. Yeah. All right. Here's my main question. Jason and I are going to St. Clair this weekend. What the hell is the secret to that lake? <laughs> so yeah, St. Clair, um, St. Clair is an interesting lake. Uh, for I'll, I'll look at it from a bass perspective, and it's probably similar for all uh, species of fish. But yeah, Saint Clair, Saint Clair has very little contour. So when you look on a map, it's really hard to figure out where to start or anything like that. Like, there's no points, humps. Um, you know, for me, the biggest thing is covering water. And I'll put I'll get out there, um, of course, for like the season. So if it's in the spring, um, let's just say for bass, if it's in the spring, I think the fish are going to be probably coming to shallow water. So I might start in ten foot of water put the trail wire down, fish for a mile. If I don't catch anything, pull it up, go to eight foot and try that or go to seven foot, you know, just, just really sample a lake. And the same goes for the summer. I'll get, I'll just get out in the middle of the lake and just fish for a mile or two. Or if it's really windy, I'll, you know, I like fishing the window there cause it'll push the boat and make you cover water. Yeah. But the biggest thing for me is covering water because the fish aren't relating to maybe a rock or a log or something on the bottom. They're just moving around. They're chasing bait because that's all there is. And there's a little bit of weeds here and there, but they're really just worried about whatever they're eating. So the biggest secret is just to not really sit still out there. It's just to keep moving and moving and moving until you catch some fish or get some hints. And then if you want to slow down in that area and pick them apart and, and kind of pound on them a little bit, then do it. But always stay on the move. I mean, it's pretty much when I go out there, I'll start where I ended the day before on the last big fish or so that I caught. And a lot of times they're not there, but I just get my trail more on high and move and, and usually connect with them. But so that's one thing. And then another thing, another big thing is uh, there's a lot of current in that lake that comes down from the St. Clair river. And it's something to think about. So look for areas where there could be more uh, current usually in, in, at least in like the summertime, maybe in the fall, you're looking for less current. But if you look at some of the aerial fo- uh, photos on like Google maps, you'll see a lot of streaks and stuff uh, running through the lake with like old mud lines. And you can see how the current kind of flows through the lake and fish in general, um, predatory fish, muskie, walleye, bass, they want to feed in current because current will bring them food. So look at some of those old maps and you'll, you'll see little current seams and lines and swirls. And those are usually pretty good fishing spots to try. Yeah. St. Clair's always just been like a beast for us. Like it's so, it's it's so big. How do you break it down? Like it's just, I get what Very you're saying tough. though, like covering covering water. Like he, it, it seems like when I go out there, it's either 30 mile per hour winds, and I'm you know the Edmund Fitzgerald out there, or it's flat calm and I'm not moving, and it's yeah. like I can't. I, and you need that wind. You've got to be able to move. You got to be able to cover water. So nice. So, um, last thing I got for you. So one of our our funny things we always do is um we all made bold predictions of what we thought we were going to do for this year. 
and uh, we we came up with some stupid challenge where we're gonna do the polar bear plunge and uh, if we don't meet these challenge so like mine is or Bob's is he's gonna catch a 50 inch muskie um, I think mine was I was gonna put a deer on the wall Dan what was yours you were gonna win a tournament or something yeah I was gonna win the sporting clay state championship and didn't do that so <laughs> <laughs> he did pretty good though yeah Jason was gonna you were gonna catch a muskie this year right or catch a it was gonna be a, a legal muskie on yeah, St. Clair casting musky. yeah so it's kind of like our prediction or our motivation, our challenge to ourselves. So everybody that's been on, we've kind of done the same thing. So you got a bull, it's kind of the end of the year, but do you have a prediction for yourself or maybe for next year, kind of a challenge for yourself to, to meet? Yeah. Uh, my challenge is going to be to qualify back for the elite series. Simple as that. And I'm going to try to do whatever it takes to do it. Nice. Well, we're rooting for you, man. We that's are cool. definitely. All right. Um, all right, boys. You guys got any uh, questions for Garrett? Oh, we got him. No, man. No. Thanks for coming on. That's uh, that was awesome. It was really yeah. good. Uh, really good conversation there. Yeah. It's I awesome to pick the brain of a, a pro. Yeah, you know, tells us what we're doing wrong. Well, good luck down in Texas. We're, we're not fishing enough. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and remember, if uh, you know, if you perform well at this tournament the next you know week or so then uh you're gonna have to come back every time yeah so we can do that yeah we yeah. want we want updates when you're yeah. winning tournaments back on the elite series because yeah. we know you'll get back oh yeah time. let's for sure do it again let's check in uh whatever in the winter or sometime next year and yeah. see where we're all at jason you got anything i want to tell a real quick story um about lake st Clair. so when I was growing up, like I said, kind of got an interest in Jimmy Houston. One of my dad's friends um, actually lived out near uh, Pontiac Lake, did some of those week, you know, weeknight tournaments, whatever. And was in my eyes, I viewed him as like this professional bass fisherman, right? He had a bass boat. He had more tackle than I've ever seen in my life. And he got us kind of to be from just in the 14 footer at our cabin to then go and try and do other things. Um, but he would go to, it was called like Bassmaster University over at Kalamazoo College or something. Uh, and you'd go and they'd have pros come in and you're like sitting in the auditorium and they're talking about different techniques. And one year, we went there a couple of years and one year uh, Shaw Grigsby was there and he was telling us a story about he was on a tournament on St. Clair and he said he was never going to share where he came across this until the day he died. He found a lawn chair that was on the bottom in St. Clair, and he won the tournament in with smallmouth fishing and pulling him off that lawn chair. And and like you said, Garrett, there's not a rock. I mean, there's there there's different uh, types of bottom and stuff out there, but there's not just oh here's a rock you're going to go fish or here's a point you're going to go fish. It's very gradual, featureless, cereal bowl bottom. And yeah, he just stumbled upon this lawn chair that probably blew off someone's boat headed over to Jobby Nooner and <laughs> he won the tournament off that thing and I thought that was a pretty funny story he's like I'm never telling anyone where that was but huh. that's, I, yeah, I've never heard that one that's cool that's the next cheating right scandal there. is that you're going to see bass boats with, <laughs> with lawn chairs on the front of them why did you come back with your lawn chair man oh I don't know it flew off it's crazy it fell off nice well Garrett um I know you got some sponsors. You want to shout out any of your sponsors while you're on here? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the cool thing. Like my life kind of changed in a negative decline this year, but uh, everybody stuck with me for the most part um, from when I was fishing the elite series, parts view, AFCO, big bite, Sunlines Pro, Gamagatsu, 
Bass Cat, Mercury, Hummingbird, Minn Kota, Lou's Reels, Douglas Rods, Dakota Lithium Batteries. I got, uh, you know, I'm I'm super particular about my equipment, and uh, I partnered with people that, that I think give me an edge. I didn't just partner with companies that were helping me out or giving me money. I wanted to partner with companies that I felt like were making my fishing game better because at the end of the day, I'm out here to compete and try to win. I mean, the money is nice or whatever is nice, but – I want the satisfaction of, of beating these guys. So I try to, I try to partner with some quality people and um, you know, I feel like I've got pretty good relationships with all those guys. So definitely appreciate that. And in my situation, I could never, I could never do any of this without, without that support. So yeah. pretty, pretty fortunate. Yeah. You want to partner with a brand that you back, you know, you, For sure, yeah. you can tell, you can tell when guys are fake about what they're yeah. promoting and it's yeah. not a good look. Yeah. No, nope. Well, cool. Uh, well, where can listeners find you? Because I know you got the the guiding service, and then I know you've got um, social media. So, where can everybody find you? Yeah, I'm super active on uh, Facebook and Instagram. G Pocket Fishing on both, or Gear Pocket Fishing is the page name on Facebook. Um, for now, I don't have. I didn't renew my website this year. Like I said, I was just kind of running it through uh, through Instagram. But yeah, if you want to get out with me um, and go fishing, shoot me a DM on any of those, and I, I'm on it. You know, maybe not every day if I'm in a tournament or something, but I'm, I like to be pretty responsive on those. And we have a pretty good, uh, pretty good time on my page, try to have fun, um, joke around and run some contests and funny stuff at times. So yeah, come check it out. G podcast fishing. Hashtag, hashtag let's go. Hashtag let's go. (laughs) Cool. I'll, uh, well, I'll link every, uh, all your social media into the description of this podcast. So anybody wants to give you a follow, do so please give them a follow give us a foul so gary you got anything else any final comments i think that's it man i enjoy you guys uh thinking of me and bringing me on this and had a blast and like i said we'll have to we'll have to check in at a later day and see how everything's going well we know you're going to be on the the elite series so nice to know we got a we got a pro so <laughs> i appreciate the hell you getting on man it's, it's been fun uh we've been looking forward to this for for since we talked about it like i know like it's like once a week we'll like been talking about like what are we going to talk about like when, when are we doing this, starting to plan this? Um, so um, I'm super glad it happened, and we didn't have to reschedule like I originally thought we were going to do. So I appreciate it. Um, good luck in, you know, the, your next up, upcoming tournaments. Um, we're going to be following you. Uh, I'll be, like I said, I'll be posting everything on social media. And so uh, very cool. Any final comments, boys? All good here. Keep your legs crossed, your mind on Jesus. Got to say it every time. <laughs> Jason. I I got nothing. nothing. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, Garrett. I appreciate it. And as always, get outdoors and don't be terrible.